Business has always been about turning a profit, making money. But can it stand for something more? Something beyond dollars and cents? We think so. We think that today, business has a higher calling, a purpose to be fair and just, to do right by their workers, customers, communities, and the environment. And it turns out companies successful doing that also do better for their bottom line. When you see the Just Capital seal, it means this company is a force for good. Visit JustCapital.com to learn more. Tommy of The Athletic, nice enough to join us. Uh, I never got to ask you uh, about your thoughts on on Clay Thompson and what's going on with that situation. Uh, it's just been kind of a weird situation. All season long, you could see the pressure. It's like he's playing. Like every game to him is a referendum on whether he can still play or not. And I, the pressure that he plays, that he puts on himself, is just incredible. It seems unnecessary, but I think people don't realize how big of a competitor he is because he's easygoing and he's a captain and he's on this boat and he's got Rocco and all <laughs> that. Like this guy cares deeply about not only his play, but what people think about him and how he's playing. And almost like he's carrying the weight of the world on him this season and hasn't been the best teammate uh, because of a lot of that. And Steve decided, okay, that's it. We're going to put you on the bench and see how that goes. It went great for one game. My thing was, well, let's see how it goes when he doesn't play in a couple consecutive crunch times. Like, is he still going to be able to be that good teammate and have a positive attitude? Because this wasn't the first time Steve's talked to him. I think he's talked about it. Like, even Clay referenced it a couple of times, how, you know, Steve talked to him and you, you got to enjoy your time here. And that was like a month and a half ago. And then we're here again. How do you think this thing resolves itself? Because he's got a lot of pride and I think he wants to do what's best for the team, but he also wants to play well. I think it goes well as long as the team plays well and he's performing, even if it's off the bench. If the team isn't playing well and maybe he's not playing well or in crunch time, I'm not saying he can't do it, but that's when I think we're really going to find out whether this thing can work and he can kind of deal with the ups and downs of where his career is at right now. Yeah, sure. I sure don't think he's going to score 35 off the bench every game. Probably uh, not. You know, it was a neat storyline when he does. <laughs> yes. Uh, but and they win and 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 they go into the the break feeling good about that. You're right. Uh, there's going to be some, some times when he does. and they got Chris Paul coming back. By the way, right? I mean, there's another player who we know Steve is going to want to play at the end of games. And when you see the flurry of turnovers, that's the first thing I think of is like, guess who he would rather have out there right now than one of those five guys? It's Chris Paul. Uh, and that's a spot where Clay might be, and there's Pajemski, and there's you know Wiggins, and there's like there's gonna get some crunches here, and Clay is not gonna finish every game. He hasn't already, even when he was a starter. Uh, then what happens? Uh, I, I think it's gonna be some explosions and some unhappiness, and then some happiness. It's gonna be a lot like we've seen, but I think what Kerr's done is I'm, I'm gonna write this for a column tomorrow. It's like. Either Steve's genius is making impulsive decisions seem like they're part of the flow or make a flow decisions seem like they're impulsive because he's waited <laughs> so long to make this move uh, with Clay. And you know there's been some pressures inside there to, you know, not the locker room, but maybe, you know, in management. Like, you know, hey, you know, maybe we can take a look at some other lineups here. Uh, Kerr has resisted. He's stayed loyal. He stayed loyal to Wiggins for a long time before he started moving in, him in and out. Then he's back in now. Stayed very loyal to Looney before he moved him out. And he stayed, you know, he's most loyal to Clay. That's his guy. Like, he stays yeah. loyal to Clay. He's the last of the main guys who has not, you know, has come off the bench. Steph, remember, he was hurt, comes back. He's off the bench in the playoffs. 
playoffs against Draymond, Denver. Yeah. yeah, Draymond doesn't start here and there. Uh, Iguodala just from yep. his entire Kerr era. So Clay was the last one who did that. I think Kerr intentionally made sure. And in my feeling was it got frustrating and maybe it was a little bit too late for, you know, on all different, you know, Wiggins was probably too, all these things took a little longer than maybe logic would, would, would say, but at least now Clay can't think that Steve didn't stick with him until he absolutely had to make the move. Right. He, he yeah. can understand that part. He did not make a trigger decision. Wiggins, the same thing. And Wiggins goes back. He can feel like her never, you know, abandoned him just, just for whim. There is something to being loyal to these guys, to making sure you're, you're getting the best out of them, you know, when even if you make a move to cut their minutes some. And when you do, they understand you're doing it because you have to, not because it's just kind of the, 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 the cool thing to do. I do yeah. think that's prevalent with, the, with Steve right now. He's feeling that. I, I want to make sure these guys understand. I gave them every chance, and if they lose minutes, it's because I have to. And it's not just because, you know, somebody else feels like it's somebody else would be better. Uh, and maybe you get the best out of those guys because I think that's the case with, with Clay. I think there will be moments when he's pissed off. He was pissed off the game before, right, where yep. he was on the bench the crunch time. He comes back in. He takes the foul that Steve went berserk over uh, because it wasn't the right <laughs> we foul. We all did. Pick. Yeah, it was like, okay, <laughs> what, what happened there? Uh, and uh, those things happen. Clay apologized for his, you know, he, I guess he wasn't real happy with an assistant coach at that point. Um, Clay's going to go through it. And you and I know he's the most competitive guy of them. That's Draymond always says that. Like Clay is yeah. the craziest competitor of them. You just don't see it on his face all the time. You see it sometimes when he explodes at Devin Booker last year and all the things that we've seen sometimes. But um, like this is tough for him. I, I go back to like sometimes I've you know players who make incredible comebacks from injury. It's like a year later you're saying. It, that took more of a toll out of them than you can ever know, right? You, Ed O'Bannon was like that when I covered him at UCLA. He comes back from this devastating knee injury, fifth-year senior, wins the national championship, player of the year, and he just never is that player again. And players uh, who know Ed say coming back is what took it out of him. He was he just lost three years of his life coming yeah. back from that, and it was never going to be the same. Clay, two leg, massive leg injuries in his 30s. Um, we saw him come back. We thought, okay, now he's back. They win a championship. God, Clay's only going to get better. I think there's still a struggle for him because there's age. There's you know all you know. There's his, his confidence level. There's all these things uh, that build up on him, and he's, he's he is a lesser player now. He's admitting it. He's not as good as he used to be. Okay, he was so good that that's all right. You can still contribute a lot, but he fights that. And there's moments when he thinks he's the old Clay. And the ball goes up when it shouldn't go up. And yep. somebody blows by him when he, you know, he has a, a bad defensive possession. These things happen. They're going to have to deal with them. I think the way Kerr's done it is extreme patience. So now when Pajemski gets minutes over him or, you know, whoever, Clay can at least feel like the coach had his back for as long as he possibly had. And that's how you get the best out of, you know, a dynastic player. This isn't just, you know, this isn't just Joe Blow. This isn't just some guy. This is this is Clay Thompson. So I've understood the patience, and I've understood why uh, Clay deserves that patience. And now it's time for him maybe to, you know, he's going to lose five minutes here or there. He's going to lose six minutes on his average. He's going to lose four to six shots. And then some nights he's going to get those, and he's going to score for third, score 35. Maybe it's going to be in a playoff game. 
but it's going to be less less uh, of a of a Clay Thompson than we've seen in the past. It's just the way that everyone has to accept that. Yeah. Tim, yesterday we were talking about this a little bit. Tom asked me, you know, what does success look like for the Warriors this season? Because they're 10th in the Western Conference right now. And I think for much of the Curry era, it's been maybe an all or nothing look at, you know, what they can accomplish with a title very much in sight. And maybe that's not the way that they see it this year. Maybe it is the way they see it this year. What do you think they would consider a successful season at the end of this run? Well, it's going to be hard for them to say it, but I think if they can get in that first round, Get through the, I don't think they're going to get out of the play-in. It's just too many teams for them to jump. Uh, not all of them are going to be bad. Uh, I don't know that the Warriors have, you know, they don't have like a 22-6 and six run in them. That's hard to see. I can see 19, you know, 19 and 9 or something. But um, I don't think that gets them, you know, maybe gets them to 7. You're still in the play-in. I think 7 or 8 would be success. Win that, get into the first round, and be you know, credible and say you're going up against, you know, Minnesota in the first round. That's a tough matchup. Oklahoma City, tough matchup, whatever. Be credible. Take a shot at it. Maybe maybe some magic happens. Steph goes for 50 again in game seven. Uh, I think it, that is – got to think of it one round at a time. Be as, you know, top end, get yourself into the second round, and then like they did last year. But I think it's point to next season. That, that's – kind of the underpinnings of what I'm hearing or feeling. It's like, don't do anything that messes up next year because Steph's still going to be good. Kaminga's only going to get better. They finally, you know, they've discovered and he's discovered himself. Uh, maybe you, you know, Pajemski's probably only going to get, he's 20 years old, get another player or two. Uh, you know, if Joe Lake said that he's going to get, they're going to try to get another tax line, which is a lot, but, with Clay Thompson and Chris Paul, you know, free agents, there's certainly a way to do it without losing a lot of stuff that it has helped them this year. Uh, maybe Clay comes back at a more moderate price. Maybe Chris Paul goes, or maybe Chris Paul's willing to come back. Who knows? At a lower number, it, I'd point it to next season. What's the, it's feel good about the ending this season? Not, not necessarily going to be beyond the second round, and then feel like the arrows pointing up for next season. And you take, you know, we've talked about the last dance, how many different times now, four times, <laughs> five years. We've said last dance is a long last mm-hmm. dance last year. Re- next year really might be the one that they can circle and say, that's, that, that's a real good shot at doing it. One more year of Stephens prime, maybe Kaminga becomes a real number two and take a, one big run at it next season. Uh, that's how I was. It's a kind of a two year thing. Don't do anything that messes up next year, which is you know, why Kaminga was off limits of the trade deadline, in my opinion, and try to win this year. I think that's why they kept Chris Paul, like give themselves feeling good about next year, about this year, I'm sorry. And then next year, you see where you are, and, and you, maybe you make an ad because you're under the tax line and you can use your mid-level. You can you feel a little more flexible. Uh, you can try to make a plan for a, a big thing next, you know, the year after. You, there's more maneuverability, and you're not really losing a lot in the basketball. I don't want to just write off Clay and Chris Paul. I think they would definitely want Clay back, but um, I, I just see it kind of as a slingshot into next season. Uh, you know, want to do your best this season. They want to win as many playoff games as possible. They want to be the Warriors, still be the Warriors, and still be thought of as the Warriors. But next year is the one I think is the most likely chance where they have like a 2022 season where they just – 
come out ready to go. They're at top form, and they get into the playoffs as a third seed, and then, you know, then who knows? Hard to do much when you're not a top three or four seed, and they are not going to be a top three or four seed this season. So everything this season is just trying to maybe get momentum for next season. Yeah, I think I, look, I think they want Clay. Clay, I think, would like to finish his career here, but it's got to be now. It's going to be on their terms. Like he's going to have to understand where he fits in the hierarchy. He, yep. He's not that guy anymore. And if he wants to be that guy, then that's going to create issues. Because really, that was part of it this year. He just wasn't. He hadn't been a very good teammate for a long time for uh, for, for this team. And he had that's like a minimum. Like that's your low bar. Like. Come in mentally ready, physically ready, and be a good teammate. Those are the three things you got to do, and then you go from go from there. And he was physically ready, mentally was questionable night to night, depending on how the game went. And then, as far as being a good teammate, he just wasn't because he was in his own feelings a lot uh, this year. So obviously, he's not going to have the equity anywhere else that he has here either. Like you go somewhere else, you get no credit for doing anything for the Warriors. They don't care what you did. For the Warriors, ask Pablo how much equity he had with the Red Sox uh, for winning those World <laughs> Championships. Zero. They do not care what you did for other other teams. So, speaking of baseball, uh, got any thoughts on what the hell the Giants are doing? Yeah, uh, it's pretty much incomplete. Although they seem to think they're complete, uh, I don't know whether that's just the public relations stand by Varhan saying that they you know, don't. I think it's hard to see another move. I've got to feel like they're at least a move away from feeling like a complete team. Maybe two. Um, yeah, I mean, again, I don't think you need to go toe-to-toe with the Dodgers. You can't. They tried, obviously, for Otani and Yamamoto. They didn't. It's a familiar story. Um, you know, they signed some players with some money, but nothing that's going to shake anybody up. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm just kind of like, I, I, I'm not a guy who says just do something, do something. I always think yeah. that's the wrong way. But they, this team had to do something to do something. Like, this is one of the rare times where they just do something. <laughs> you're similar. You're so like me because I'm like, yeah. don't just do something. That's dumb. But do something. Yeah, exactly. Like, they're, they're, listen, it's, they're, they're a big franchise. They're not, you know, they're not the Pittsburgh Pirates. They're not the Oakland A's. Like, they are a big-time you know, market, franchise, that stadium, this demographic, this is a power team that's won World Series and has filled out that stadium, and all these things are connected. It's not just, oh, it's just entertainment. No, it's entertainment because it was good, and it was good because it had, they had money behind it and they were smart. I think Farhan is smart. I get along with him. I understand what he's yeah. saying. I just At some point, you got to do some. You know, listen, Jung Hulu might be an irresponsible signing. So maybe he's saying that's, you know, I went for it there or Jordan Hicks or, you know, some of these others, but it just doesn't feel like they've done, they've crossed the threshold where not only their fans, which is obviously huge for ticket purchases and all that kind of thing, but the rest of the league is like going, Oh, what's going on there? Like none of that has happened. Hiring Bob Melvin maybe is a one thing, but it's a manager. How much can the manager do beyond that? Uh, you know, I, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt just because I don't react. I don't love it when people just say, just sign everybody. Well, you know what? The Dodgers have a lot of money. Like, yep. it's possible if the Giants said, okay, Shohei, $1 billion. That's the offer. And Otani would have said, no, I'm going Dodgers. Like, that, that's the way life is. And I go back to after 2021 when they won 107 games, they could have put the pedal down there. They could have just said, 
we're this is it. This is where you know players are going to want to play here. We're a winning franchise. Let's just get you know let's whatever it takes to re-sign Gosman. They didn't even really try to re-sign Gosman. Let's go sign Marcus Simeon. You know he was what you know twenty eight million dollars a year with Texas that year. Well, the Giants could pay that. And what how different would it feel if they had Marcus Simeon and Kevin Gosman on this team? Yeah, they would want that, right? They would take they would take those deals right now. They would do it because they offered more money to other players, and so I think that kind of was a lost opportunity. That kind of was a lot, lack of imagination. And if they didn't have that, they needed some of these you know young players to come up and be stars. Maybe Kyle Harrison will be, but you know we'll see. Young pitchers is always tough. And Luciano, I don't know. And Matos is not a star, I don't think. Patrick Bailey is very solid, but I don't think he's a superstar. Like, there's been some places where they could have jumped in and didn't. I understand where they didn't want to become just a team that throws money at people because we've seen, you know, the Padres. I mean, they they, they tried it, and now they're getting off of those guys as fast as possible. Uh, but they needed some of it. And they need they need some of it. Somebody can't keep promising you're going to do this and not have it happen, or they just got to win a ton of games. And I don't think they're going to win a ton of games. I think they're going to be you know maybe a little better than last year, maybe 84. Does that get it and scrape into the wild card? Maybe that's the goal here, but that probably shouldn't be the goal. The goal should be we're going to you know come after the Dodgers. We're going to come after the Phillies. And you watch those teams, you just see you know great hitter, great player, great player, great pitcher, great hitter. And, you know, you just don't see that with the Giants. I don't want to sound down about them. I try to say, yeah. like, there's rationality here. But, man, part of baseball is being irrational. Like, you know, what's the what's yeah. the uh, the Friedman saying? If you're rational when you're bidding for agents, you're going to come in second every single time. Um, like, you just got to go crazy. Something. Just sign Chapman. Just say, what's going to take to sign Matt Chapman? And maybe there are reasons why he's not signed right now. I think he'd be better than what they got. I think they got money to spend. I think they can, you know – figure out a lineup that makes more sense with Matt Chapman in it than without it. Uh, those sorts of things. I just think it's a little too restrained. It's a little bit too cautious. And that I, I do believe the, the Joe Lake at Eddie DeBarlow is like, you got to spend money to make money. You got to mm-hmm. be risky in order to win this at the current moment, barring some other thing that, that I haven't seen happen. I think they're a little bit too cautious in order to win in this, certainly in this division, and certainly lined up against the Dodgers. Uh, we got to run, but I wanted to ask you this because I wanted to get your thoughts on it before we let you go. Tim Kawakami joins us of The Athletic. So Anthony Rendon, my favorite, uh, <laughs> said yesterday. Your angels are this, looking good, Tommy, right now. They, they, You know what they are? They're poised. That's exactly <laughs> what they are. Poised for what? I'll let you know. Uh, but I don't like – like I don't think this guy knows how to read the room. I'm not sure if he knows there's a room to be read. To be perfectly perfectly honest with you, he's the one that said, "Yeah, the season's too long." Yeah, we all know that. We don't want you saying it. You're the last guy anybody wants to hear saying it. So when it's he said, "Not too long this for is... him," it's not too long you for know? him. It's like Apparently, it's perfect for him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when he said this isn't his first <laughs> priority. That's fine. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of guys out there that think this is a job. I'm going to bust my ass. I'm going to give you everything I have. But my family comes first or uh, my faith comes first if, 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 if you're religious. That, that's fine. It's just when your heart has been questioned and your desire to be somewhere has been questioned and you've been aloof and hard to reach during the off season, 
that it's okay to say it, but you're not the one that should be saying it. And I'm wondering how you view that. Because again, I don't mind that he thinks that I mind that he feels like it's okay to say that because again, if you could just read the if you had open your eyes just a little bit and then look at the room, you go, yeah, you know what? That's probably that. Nah, that's probably not me. I probably shouldn't be saying that. Yeah. I just think it's not that the words he's saying, it's that it signals other things. It signals, and to me, it signals a player saying, I don't need you and I don't care about you fans. I don't. That's what it yeah. feels like. Especially for a player who, listen, making $35 million a year, has been an incredible underperformer, has been surly to the media. Um, it just comes off as someone who is trying to tell you that you're not important to me, that this game isn't important to me, that yeah. you know the reason I make $35 million is not important to me. And that comes off incredibly wrong. You know, it would come off wrong even for a player who's been great, probably, but you would understand some of it. Listen, he just produces. That's what he does. Yep. This is not a guy who's produced in any way, shape, or form, who has not, you know, been embraced or has embraced the community down there that I can tell. And even though the words, you print out the words, you go, yeah, I would hope that your family comes first. I would hope yep. that your faith comes first. But to yep. say it yep. is to under, you know, there's all these unspoken things there where, it, it, there's an, you know, there's an arrogance there. It's like, I don't need you. I don't need you. I don't want you to cheer. I don't care. And that's not what entertainment is about. That's not what sports is about. Uh, it's, be, it's, it's between the lines is what, you know, you can interpret what he really means and probably why his career has gone so poorly in with the angels. And man, does, does that happen? Like to every angels free agent Tommy, me about <laughs> pretty the way? Much. it's unbelievable. Like and they sign much. a free agent and the whole thing, it's Mo Vaughn and what, you know, uh, Hamilton, Hamilton yeah, Pujols, I mean, Wilson, yeah, Sarge like, jr. Vernon yeah. Wells. Don't make me go on. Stop. Yeah, me. It, I don't know. There's something down there, man. There's something I used to cover the Rams in orange County and they had some good teams there, but once I covered them, they were terrible. <laughs> and I don't know what I don't what's going on down there at, oh, at South God. Coast Plaza or something. I don't know. It's, oh, uh, South, South, Coast, <laughs> South Coast Plaza. You know my favorite stat. I know we got to run my favorite pool hole stat was uh, so he signs a big deal with the Angels. Man, I forget how many years he ended up playing with the Angels. I don't know if it's nine, maybe. Uh, anyway, his last year with the Cardinals, his OPS was higher. Than any year with the Angels, yep. any, yep. Yep. he went down. Yep. Like as soon as he got to the Angels, yep. he went down, and then just it was like a barrel just rolling downhill. Sometimes it would like flatten out and the barrel would stop, but it was always moving downhill. And then occasionally there was like a small little cliff, and it dropped straight off, and then it just keep rolling downhill. And it's just like it's <laughs> the free agents now see the giants i'm saying just sign somebody the angels I'm like, yeah, just, just don't do it just, to, just, <laughs> just save your money well there was something to that i'll just i'm, I'm not saying with pull holes obviously a hall of famer and i'm not questioning sure. his but sometimes when you're the team that guys only go to because you pay more you collect a certain yeah. kind of player right yes, a, you certain, do. A, a player at a certain point in his career where i better sign this deal now because i'm going to start to stink you know, yep. and yep. Uh, you don't want those guys. And I, I, you know, applaud Zaidi for avoiding those kind of guys. Uh, but you do have to risk it sometimes uh, because sometimes those guys are really good and they can yep. be difference makers and you just have to overpay them and free You just have to. But I do have something like if the players only, if three players are only signing you because not for any other reason, but you're the highest bidder, 
you might be collecting players who are not in it for, or certainly not on the upswing in their careers. They're ready to hit their downswing. Yep. Swing. And, the, and the Angels seem to do it every single time. It's so, time for another season of Halo Baseball. <laughs> Buy your season tickets now. Oh, God. It's so, it's so bad. Tim, we always appreciate you joining us. It's always fun catching up with you, kind of spinning around the sports world, and uh, hopefully we can do it again soon. You got any time, Tommy. See you, care. All Thanks, right. See you, Tim. Tim's that love, Tim. He's yeah, so he's hilarious. the best. That's good <laughs> it's stuff. So, it's so true, though. I didn't even really think about it from that standpoint. Like, yeah, we're just going to go to you because you pay us the most money. That's the only reason we're going there is you yeah. pay the most money, and that's usually a bad – that's a bad mix. That's a, that's that's – Mike Trout deserves better, damn it. <laughs> you'd think. You'd think. He wants to die for the franchise, and uh, Anthony Rendon would rather be does, dead than play for the franchise. He does not want to die for the I franchise. I saw that yesterday. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. He wants to kill the franchise. Yeah, exactly. Trout wants to die for it, and Rendon wants to kill it. Oh, well, oh, that's brother. that's enough Angels talk for the day. It really on the other is, side, please. Tim Tim said some interesting thing about the Warriors uh, that that I want to pick your brain about yeah, a little bit. So we'll, we'll talk we'll talk about that on the other side. You're listening to Tolbert and Copes Crowley and for Copes here on Wednesday afternoon. KNBR 104.5 the Sports Leader. San Rafael, shout out to you for supporting KNBR. San Rafael Sports Leader. There, Tolbert and Copes, or Tom Tolbert and Adam Copeland, if you want to be formal about it. Got Google Nest? If so, listen to the Sports Leader at home. This is KNBR 104.5 and 680. We are back, Tolbert and Copes. Kerry Crowley filling in for Adam Copeland here on Wednesday afternoon. I want to thank Tim Kawakami of The Athletic for stopping by. Movies, TV shows, books, podcasts, and more. It's what women binge with Melissa Joan Hart and her friend Amanda Lee. We have Lauren Bosworth with us. Yay! The Hills. So what is like your number one question from fans? The primary question I still get asked was, what, is it real? <laughs> In 2024, to me, is a surprising question to get because I feel like everybody has been through the reality TV gauntlet at this point. What women binge wherever you listen. If you missed that interview, you can catch it on KMBR.com and in our KMBR podcast app, KMBR app, anywhere you get your podcasts, you can catch that interview. And later on this evening, Mike Breen will be joining us. So Tim had some great thoughts on the Warriors, and we'll get into those in just a few minutes here with Tom. Uh, Really interested to hear what Tom's take is on, I guess, the Warriors thinking about next season already, even though they're still very much in the thick of a playoff hunt and very much going up against a Western Conference where the teams at the top, Minnesota and Oklahoma City, are unproven. So we'll dive into that, but uh, later on, Mike Breen will join us, and we, I'm sure, will dive into the rest of the Western Conference and all the NBA races as we head down the stretch now that we're out of the All-Star break. Uh, Some interesting stuff today in the Giants world that we'll touch on for the remainder of the show. Keaton Wynn, right-handed pitcher who yesterday was kind of slotted into a rotation spot. Uh, Keaton Wynn now has an elbow issue. So uh, you hear the word pitcher and elbow in the same sentence, almost never good. And we will touch on uh, what the Giants do from here because Tim brought this idea up. Are, are they really done? Are the Giants very much committed to what Farhan Zaidi said, which is we're finished, we're done. It's too hard to bring in someone this late in the spring. Giants open Cactus League play on Saturday here on KMBR. So you can catch the pregame show. Marty will be on. I'll be on. I think Bill's got postgame on Saturday as we'll have plenty of voices rotating in throughout this Cactus League slate here on KMBR. But on the other side, we'll get Tom's thoughts on Tim Kawakami and what he said about the Golden State Warriors and if they're really setting up 
2025 as opposed to 2024 and what that means for the likes of Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Jonathan Kaminga, Draymond Green, and others who have been key members of this Warriors franchise. So you're listening to Tolbert and Copes. Crowley in for Copes here. Mike Breen at 530 this evening. Kerry Crowley here on KBR 1045 680, the sports leader. Listen to the sports leader anywhere, anytime. Download the all-new KNBR app. Now, Tolbert and Copes continue live from the KNBR Casino Matrix Studio. Casino Matrix progressive jackpots are here. Where are you? Just drop in. Please play responsibly. 1-800-GAMBLER. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. If you sacrifice your dream for the sake of satisfying someone else, that can often lead to ongoing resentment, which then poisons a relationship subtly, slowly, but it does. And if he doesn't want to let you down, then your dreams matter. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. All right, we are back here. Tolbert and Copes on Wednesday afternoon. Kerry Crowley filling in for Adam Copeland. Good conversation with Tim Kawakami talking Golden State Warriors and where this franchise sits as they prepare to open the second half of the season. Warriors 27-26 and coming off a relatively strong finish to the first half of the season. But, Tom, I did find it interesting that Tim said that the goal internally right now might be just get into playoffs, see how many you can win, but understand that you don't want to do anything to jeopardize 2025 because next season might be the year where you have a better shot at keeping this window open. And, you know, there's going to be some cap space things that they try and do with Chris Paul, Clay Thompson, maybe. And I think that we talked about this earlier in the show that this Clay Thompson move to the bench could be on audition for what his future role with the Warriors might look like if they want to keep him and if he wants to stay with Golden State for the remainder of his career. Yeah, I like I don't know that any team has a goal per se. Like you just play until you go home. Play yeah. until they tell you to go home. I think everyone wants to keep winning cuz well, uh, however unrealistic it is to think the Warriors could win a championship and it's very unrealistic. And if you ask them that, they might even say, like, yeah, it's going to be really tough. If you asked them, could you win a play-in game? Yes. Could you beat this team in a seven-game series? Yes. Could you beat that team in a seven-game series? Yes. I mean, I think they're going to feel like, hey, we have the experience. It's not that long ago we won a championship, and we got a bunch of guys on this team that have playoff experience. A lot of things are going to have to break right for them. But just speaking of, like, moving – if if we're just going to jump to like to w- what they're hoping for next year. At some point, Steph's not going to be Steph. Now, I don't yeah. know if that's two years or five years because I keep waiting for LeBron to not be LeBron, and that really hasn't happened. Well, it has, but he's like so damn good. He still looks like one of the best players in the game, which he is. You're like, how is that even possible? And you would think Steph, he could even you know, stretch that out even longer because he's not a physical player like LeBron is. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know if it's two years, five years, but he's still really damn good. And anytime you have Steph, you feel like we got to give our, give ourselves a chance to win a championship. So, I mean, again, Clay's got to understand who he is at this point of his career and, and, and accept that, embrace that. And I don't know what you do with Chris Paul. I have no idea like what that would even look like, so I'm not going to go down that road. But Pajemski is somebody they found who's like a rotational player. 
Like, yeah. and that's huge. Finding a guy, uh, what was it? Nineteen, eighteen, seventeen. I guess it was right around there. I can't remember exactly the draft pick. Eighteen. I don't know. Nineteen. I, who knows? I think it was nineteen because uh, uh, Jaime yeah. Hawkins was uh, was eighteenth. Yeah, who they really the like too. Yeah, yeah, they really liked Jaime Hawkins. Uh, so yeah, you got a rotational player. You got Kaminga, who looks like he's figuring it out and looks like he's going to be a top end rotational type player. Then you have your, well, I guess your kind of Hall of Fame duo that that, that probably will start, Draymond and Steph, and then Wiggins is still only twenty nine. So you know, Clay coming off the bench, they can be, I. I guess, is that a championship team? Like, what do you add to that to make it a championship team? Uh, unless, you know, they go the trade route. That's always a possibility. I never assume that a team's going to come back looking like it looked last year, especially if they don't win it. Do you just think health will do it? Uh, I, I don't know. So it, 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 in the West, it isn't getting any easier. The West is tough. It will be tougher next year because yeah. Memphis will be back to being healthy next year. They'll get Morant back, and they'll get uh, Clark back, and, and, and I think Baines actually, he's hurt. And Jaron Jackson's about the only like last man standing there <laughs> who's been like a main cog in the wheel uh, or main spoke in the wheel that plays this year. Everybody else is hurt, so they'll be back to being pretty good next year. So, look, it's just going to get harder and harder and harder. That's the issue. But, yeah, this year it's just I think they're a good team. Like, they're a solid team. They're not great. They're a good team, and they could beat these teams. They just haven't. They put themselves in a hole. They go eight and two. Have they've had a nice run, and where does that put them? Tenth. It just. We mentioned it yesterday. What was it? Dallas, Sacramento, and the Lakers are also in a playing game. Yeah. Like the playing's no fun. It's not like the playing. Like oh, if we could just get a home playing game, we should be good to go. You look at the other teams. You're like, holy cow. This is a gauntlet you have to deal with just in the play-in game to make it to the playoffs. Like I call those garage games. Like you can go to the party, but you got to hang out in the garage. And if you win a game, you can come into the uh, main house where the real party's happening. Like they got to play a couple garage games, and and and, <laughs> and they get to graduate to the real party, and the real fun begins. Whether it's Oklahoma City or Denver or my, I mean Memphis, not Memphis, uh, Minnesota. So. Yeah, but I think they're good. And, like, it doesn't surprise me when they win these games because I've seen it, and I know what they're capable of. So if they beat, like, a Denver, that's not going to surprise me. Lakers, Clippers, whatever, they're good. But can they be good enough for that length of period, that period of time? That I'm not sure. And then they'll have to, yeah, they're going to have decisions to make. I don't know, I don't know what they're going to be, but seemingly every single year, they try to put themselves in the best position to win. And we know one thing about Lakeham. If you're winning, he will pay for it. He's not afraid to do that. Yeah. I wonder, though, let's say we've talked a lot about the best-case scenario for this Warriors team. We've talked about, yep. okay, they climb up to seventh because y you and Tim kind of had the same idea. You're probably not going like 26-4 and four or something, but you might yeah. go 19-9. and nine. You might do something like that down the stretch if you're the Warriors, if everything works, if Chris Paul comes back and looks healthy, if you figure out how to close games, which the Warriors have obviously really struggled with this season. But let's say the other end of the spectrum hits and Wiggins looks inconsistent and Clay does not adjust the bench role well mm -hmm. and things go south there and they fall out of this, you know, ninth or 10th battle and they're sitting at 11th or 12th. 
Like, what does that look like if you're Joe Lacob? How do you forecast the future for this franchise? Do you just say, you know what, Steph's 37, but he's still got it next year, so we have to go all in. Like, where where do you draw the line if you're the Warriors on making a concerted effort to push in all your chips or, you know, saying, hey, we might have to take a step back here? Whew. That's tough because, I mean, they're – in the entertainment business. We talk a lot about Leica, but Goober is part of the ownership group too. And he's an entertainer and he understands entertainment. Uh, this team right now, and I don't know how accurate these things are, but uh, Forbes valuation of franchises, they were second, second ahead of the Lakers, ahead of the Knicks, ahead of the Yankees. The only team that was ahead of them was the Cowboys. And again, it could be off a little bit one way or the other, but we're talking about a team that was over in Oakland and would have been on the second page of valuations uh, 15 years ago. And now they're second. So it's, it's stunning. So they realize, you know, we got to put an entertaining product out there. I also think he doesn't like spending almost $400 million for a team that's fighting for a play-in game. That doesn't seem, that doesn't seem feasible either. So I don't, I don't know where you go. I mean, it all starts with Steph, and then you look at all your options. What are our options? I mean, they didn't. I don't think they entertained uh, Wiggins' offers this year at the break because they didn't want to sell low on him. They didn't want to get rid of Kaminga because they thought Kaminga had so much more potential than maybe they would have been offered uh, for him. So if you weren't going to trade those two guys, you really weren't going to trade anybody. I don't know what you're going to get for Paul. They didn't want to trade Clay. Uh, Draymond was going to stay, but I mean, all options got to be on the table. And I've said this many times, this is like the, you know, the, the life cycle of a dynasty. It's what happens. Guys get older. They're not quite as good. They're still kind of good, like good enough to win some games and have that spark. And, and you want to reward them for, you know, helping you create a monster with the Warriors, who are, like I said, are the number two valued team. Like, that's that's huge. And these guys were a big reason why. These three. But what happens is guys get a little bit older. They're not quite as good, a little more injury prone. Uh, stuff happens, and all of a sudden you're looking at a season like you did right now. The question I've been thinking about is how do they, can they, extend this thing to make it look like a Spurs run? Where yeah. it's like, maybe you're not winning every year, but you're giving yourself a chance every year for like the better part of two decades. Uh, that's what you, that's what you're trying to do. Or, uh, I... <laughs> The Spurs were even more consistent than the Lakers. Lakers have more championships, and the the Lakers are kind of like a supernova. Like, they hit, and they're hot for, like, five years, and they just kind of burn out a little bit. But they've had their runs, other than the 80s. That was, like, a decade. But I think Joe Lake wants what Jerry Buss has, which is, like, you know, 30 years where you're in the final 16 years. And it's just, like, mm -hmm. incredible, transcendent talent that you can go from Kareem, Worthy, Magic, to... Kobe uh, and Shaq to Kobe and Powell to AD and LeBron and win that championship. Like so, how do you how do you do that? Well, your young guy's got to hit. Kaminga is going to have to be like what he's. We've seen a little bit this year, but more and more consistent is what he's going to have to. What he's going to have to be like. He would be the next star, like the next guy, kind of like Kawhi was for the. For the Spurs, and even he was—he wasn't Kawhi with the Spurs. I mean, that was Parker and Ginobili's team for the most part. 
while Duncan was getting a little bit older. But how do you extend it out? This mm-hmm. isn't just about this run. Like, like he wants to be doing this ten years from now, after all these guys have been gone. Like, he wants to extend this thing out. So, how does that get done? I, you know, I'm not so sure. Uh, but it does start with guys like Pajemski, who you draft a little bit later in the first round. Uh, you hit on one guy, like Kaminga, and he comes. He becomes like your 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 number one option type guy. Uh, and then guys continue to want to come here. Like, for, you're able to draw free agents here, and they want to play here, uh, and that would be a, a huge help. It's going to be interesting to see, like, free, like big-time free agents in basketball as opposed to the Giants, like, where, you know, <laughs> agents have said, yeah, they really don't want to go there. They don't like this, yeah. they don't love the city. They don't love a lot of the stuff that happens in the city. Uh, and, again, I think a lot of that's overblown, but it does exist. It's not like it's not there. It's just people make a bigger deal of it that aren't from here uh just to kind of prove their point but does that extend to basketball too like would they say yeah you're gonna have to pay me more because of california taxes which i always thought was stupid because well i'm pretty sure la is still in california or california and they seem to be okay drawing a free agents there both basketball and baseball so i, I don't know I don't know what this thing looks like going forward. Uh, short term, I don't even know, Kerry. I'm trying to like kind of figure that out myself and just say, okay, where do they go if they win a round? Do they think, hey, we're close? You know, a piece here, piece there. Problem is, you always got to factor in another year of aging. Like Steph's a marvel. Can he be that guy next year? Draymond was really good this year. Can he be that guy again next year? You know, Clay was uneven. Can he get back into some sort of form? Can he be our sixth man? Can he will he be will he be happy with that? Like there just becomes more questions as the season seasons kind of roll on. And I know that's their job trying to figure out how to extend this thing. I'm just happy for what the Warriors have had. Oh yeah. I mean, I don't I don't even know if people like it's almost like you take it for granted like we take Steph for granted. Like Steph has a 38 point game, you know, on 20 shots, you're like, "Nah, that's Steph." Because that's it is it's Steph that's who he is but that's a sign of true greatness when you actually do something great and it's normal and I always say the sign of true greatness is turning greatness into normal and that's just what that's what what happens and I think the fans well I don't think the fans I know the fans have gotten ridiculously spoiled here and some of them are just flat out brats it's like we could stop. You're like, they used to call the Laker fans, and then other Warrior fans are basically the Laker fans, most of them. They're like, oh, we deserve this. We need this. We want this. We Shut up. Like, you've had 10 years of an incredible run, as good as it gets in the NBA. How about if I transport you back to 02, take you back to those feel-good times? Those are the Warriors I grew up on. Vontigo Cummings, Ike Diago. Yeah. You get one or two <laughs> wins a month. Exactly. Okay, I'll get you back to those times. You'll be like, ooh, that's Slim Pickens right here. This is, yeah. this, is, this is rough. So I'm just, like, happy for what they've had and what they've done. It's been really, really fun to watch. And, yeah, I'd like to see him continue on. Who wouldn't? Like, you don't want to see the party end. Like, wah, wah, wah. Party's over. Last call. Last call for alcohol. Uh, so yeah, I'd like to see it, but it's, 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 it's not easy. I mean, the Spurs had an incredible run. Look what's happened to them since that run ended clank. I mean, that's usually what happens. Look what happened to the bulls after that ended clank. 
I mean, even the the, the Lakers go go through their uh, their peaks and valleys. It's like clank. So that's usually what happens. You get these yeah. dynasties, and it comes to an end. It's just the Spurs did it for so long. That was the shocking part of it. Like they went, I think it was like seventeen years between their first and fifth championship pops. First and fifth championship it was amazing, and then you had all these fifty straight string of fifty win seasons between that. It's just really, really awesome stuff. But it doesn't last that long usually. It just doesn't, and that's the challenge. How do you keep it going? You need some really smart people, and you need to get lucky. You you yeah. gotta have some luck on your side. If you get unlucky, well then I mean look at Wiseman. They're unlucky that like that was the draft they got the number two pick in. And they needed a big guy. And there really wasn't anybody else available. I mean, LaMelo was there, but he didn't really fit with Steph and Clay. Edward's gone. And then you got, okay, we got the big guy. Let's give it, let's roll the dice. This is what we got. This, poof, and then craps. And you're like, crap, that sucked. And, you know, he's in Detroit. And he's not even doing great there. If that would have been a, like, if that's a different draft, maybe you do hit on the second pick. You're like, oh, baby. We're rolling. Now we're rolling. But they're not. So it's just that's what you deal with, man. That's the uh that that's sports. It's hard in a salary cap sport to keep yourself at the top vying for championships year after year after year. And the fact that the Warriors did that for a decade just I mean, it's it's awesome. It's yeah. awesome. So uh don't be ungrateful fans. Enjoy the decade you had. Well, speaking of uh, staying at the top and trying to stay relevant, on the other side, we're going to talk San Francisco 49ers and how they keep this championship window open, the personnel moves that they may have to make this offseason. We'll debate and discuss a few of those. You're listening to Tolbert and Copes. Crowley in for Copes here on Wednesday afternoon. KBR 104.5, the sports leader. Listen to the sports leader anywhere, anytime. Download the all-new KNBR app. Now, Tolbert and Copes continue live from the KNBR Casino Matrix Studio. Casino Matrix progressive jackpots are here. Where are you? Just drop in. Please play responsibly. 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, back here, Tolbert and Copes. Kerry Crowley filling in for Adam Copeland here on Wednesday afternoon. And a moment ago, we were talking Golden State Warriors and what they do to try and keep this championship window open, even if this year, 2024, is not their year. And who knows? They go on a run toward the end of the season, find their way out of the play-in, beat a team or two in the Western Conference playoffs, and then all of a sudden we're having a different conversation. But I think it's a good segue into how you get good and then stay good, which is what the San Francisco 49ers have done. You know, their championship window, Tom, Started back in 2019 as the one seed, 13-3 and three in the NFC, kind of a year ahead of schedule for what Kyle Shanahan had planned for this franchise. And then still, this year, five years later, competing for a Super Bowl, the one seed in the NFC. And no, they have not gotten to the mountaintop. They've not hoisted a trophy. But it is rare you see a window open this long. And now the challenge for the 49ers is how they keep the window open and finally win that sixth Lombardi trophy. And one of the talking points uh, among you know, people in NFL circles and people who follow the 49ers closely the last few days has been, what do you do with Brandon Ayuk? Are you able to pay him? Do you figure out a way to maybe trade him and recover a high first-round draft pick and get his replacement through the draft so that it eases the salary cap burden? I think they will figure out a way because they always have with players who they've drafted and developed. And I think that Kyle, quite frankly, when he finds a wide receiver he likes, he, he doesn't want to move on from that player. But 
I don't know. How, how do you see this shaking out if the 49ers do have to maybe subtract one from their roster or take a good, long, hard look at their wide receiver core right now? Well, I think if you have to lose one, to me, it has to be Debo. And I love Debo. Uh, I've said for years that him and Kittle bring the physical mindset like uh, to the team, to the offense, like they, the way they deliver blows. It is, it's all, it's almost inspiring watching those guys run with the ball. But with that sort of physical nature that he plays with and that I'll fight you for every inch attitude, he's been injured more. Like he's a guy I, I don't want to invest any more money in, even though he's worth it. I mean, Debo's awesome. Movies, TV shows, books, podcasts, and more. It's what women binge with Melissa Joan Hart and her friend Amanda Lee. Scott Grimes is here Thank with you. us. Voiceover, that is like my dream job. I think I just have too distinctive a voice and I can't manipulate it. That's why I'm right. not a good singer. This is how great Seth MacFarlane is. I went in to do it and I was talking like this and he goes, good, now just get rid of the neck thing that you just did because it's one, it's ugly. And then I just came out like this and came up with this guy named Steve Smith who has a tiny little lisp, but so does Scott Grimes, so it's perfect. What Women Binge, wherever you listen.